This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Monday, March 29th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. In just a minute, I'm going to be joined by Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports, and we're going to be talking about the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12's football teams in particular. This was a pretty easy idea to come to us given the Pac-12's fantastic tournament showing throughout March Madness. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon but because like the rest of you, I want to be freed up Sunday night to watch the game. So Alabama versus UCLA, they haven't tipped yet. Oregon versus USC, those two Pac-12 rivals have not tipped yet either. But Regardless of what happens later tonight, the Pac-12 is guaranteed to have two teams in the Elite Eight because Oregon State continued its, I don't want to say Cinderella because it's a, it's a Power 5 team, but truly just storybook run through the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. Everyone keeps putting them as a touchdown underdog. They keep winning outright. They beat Loyola Chicago on Saturday. They're going to play Houston on Monday in the Elite Eight for the chance to, for the Beavers to go to the Final Four. And then, of course, since Oregon and USC are playing, the obviously the Pac-12 will have a representative uh, from that game into the Elite Eight for the rights to play Gonzaga. And with four teams in the Sweet 16, and just uh, and UCLA made that run from the play-in game to, to the Sweet 16, and Colorado was pretty good too before they lost in the round of 32 to Florida State, it begs the question, can the football department of the Pac-12 do the exact same thing? Can they go from getting slept on and getting disrespected and getting forgotten about? Can they go to to make a run? I mean, the Pac-12 hasn't had a playoff team since the 2016 season when Washington made it, lost to Alabama. The Pac-12 hasn't had a national champion since 2004 when USC was a toast of college football. There's a ways to go, but it is it is interesting to ponder, uh, could, could this happen in football? I am a little bit more bullish on that possibility, I think, than Chris Hummer, as you'll find out in a minute, but we might as well talk about it. Nothing really else to talk about. Speaking of college basketball and March Madness, got another plug for you. The Elite Eight, it's today and it's tomorrow. And then the Final Four is on Saturday. And you might be wondering, okay, I might know where the games are on, but how do I watch all of them? Because, hey, I might, the, the weather looks nice Saturday. I might be stepping out or Monday night, Tuesday night, I might have some things going on. How do I keep my eye on all of these games? Well, it's easy. Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone. From there, you'll see every tournament game available to watch. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now so you may never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. And I'll just say the March Madness app was really great for me on Saturday night. Went out to watch a few of the games and and we had bad weather in Nashville, and the, the uh, CBS channel here was on a weather alert for almost the entire time. So I just pulled up my March Madness app on my phone, propped it up against the table, and watched a little of Arkansas Oral Roberts. So anyway, without further ado, and again, this this conversation was on Friday, uh, and I'm recording this on Sunday right now. It'll be uh, in your feeds Monday morning, and you'll know better than I if UCLA was able to knock out Bama and then which, which between the Ducks and the Trojans is going to play Gonzaga. The College Football Daily will be right back. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Bringing in Chris Hummer right now to talk, as promised, a little Pac-12 football, a little Pac-12 basketball, I guess. Chris, you were telling me off air and when we first talked about this prompt that Pac-12 football and Pac-12 basketball, it's just like an apples to oranges comparison. But in sticking with the fruit theme, I'm not sure if there's a more low-hanging fruit out there as far as content to talk during March Madness when it comes to college. I mean, this is this is easy stuff to discuss, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can pull in essentially an entire conference into a discussion about one, why they've been terrible in the football field, and two, maybe does that basketball success translate? It's a slam dunk content idea for sure. I had even pitched writing it as a column before I dove into it a little bit and realized that they're probably not all that comparable. And it only took me a couple minutes to kind of uh, come to that conclusion. But yeah, the Pac-12 has had quite a run in the uh, NCAA tournament. I'm not sure if we're going to see it quite the same from the football teams, though. Tell me why it's not... Chris, it's not like the Pac-12 had a good season out in, in the regular season. Like This was a surprise to get to get four teams into the Sweet 16. This was... I'm probably making your point for you, a lightning in a bottle. And you, you're going to argue to me, well, Trey, over the course of a football season, you have to be consistently good every Saturday. Pac-12 is not all of a sudden going to you know, get three teams to the New Year's Six. It's teams, it's football teams, maybe like it's basketball teams, aren't supremely good. They might just be, be kind of getting lucky on a good day. I don't know. What, like, what, what's your... What's your argument? Well, the thesis, the thesis essentially for why this might translate to Pac-12 football next year is we never, we saw the Pac-12 basketball teams and the Pac-12 football teams essentially play in a bubble this year. Non-conference games were non-existent. They played each other. They beat up on each other. And with the basketball side of things, we kind of just assumed entering in the tournament that conference was inferior out of some others. I think we saw kind of because of that, insular nature of the season. I know a lot of basketball teams did play a couple non-conference games that we overrated a conference like the Big Ten, which really struggled kind of early on in March Madness. And maybe we underrated the Pac-12. And when you think about that, you could make the same argument for the football side of things. Like the football, I mean, outside the bowl games, like there were no non-conference games. Pac-12 played a shortened season. We really beat up on teams like USC and Oregon for not being everything we expected. But I think there's an argument, given that we didn't get to see them play any other competition, that maybe those teams were a little better than we thought and they were just beating up on each other. You can poke a lot of holes in that argument, which I think is what we're going to do today. I think the first being that we saw essentially the Big 12 second best team really kind of lean on Oregon. Yeah, the there's bowl. no kind of about it. Iowa, yeah. Iowa State and smoked if- Oregon. And the Fiesta Bowl, yeah. So that that's a hole right there. Like the or- Oregon Ducks were supposed to be the Pac 12's best team last year, winning the conference title. And like when you start from there, uh, you can kind of just go off in whatever direction you want. I point out that the Pac 12's basketball programs, those that made Sweet 16 runs like USC with a pair of five stars and the Mobley Brothers, Oregon has a couple of five stars on its roster. UCLA recruits really well, even though there aren't any five stars on the roster right now. All of those teams have talent levels that are more equitable to kind of the power programs in college basketball. So scaling that gap in the tournament doesn't seem as difficult 
on the basketball side of things that is football, especially when you consider how deep rosters are in football compared to basketball. In basketball, it's understandable with 12 guys that the talent pool is going to be split more evenly across the country. In football, when Alabama can essentially take 85 of the best players every cycle, that distribution of the best players is not going to be split as evenly. And we've seen the Pac-12 kind of come on the shorter kind of end of that over and over and over again. I think the only team in the team talent composite rankings right now in the top 10 is USC. Oregon's right behind them. And I think Washington and Stanford are in the top 25. But that conference lags behind significantly in terms of talent, every other Power 5 conference out there, especially when you talk about their blue blood contenders at the top. So the talent aspect of that also kind of limits the Pac-12 from making a surprise run in 2021 when they play all of those kind of teams in their non-conference schedule and we get a better grasp of what conferences look like versus each other uh, early next year in September. So I can just sense that our West Coast listeners are just like hating this episode and, and not liking <laughs> you. So I'm going to just be the devil's advocate here. Like the Pac-12, it wasn't, you know, the Colorado football team's fault that it only got to play six games last year, Chris. Like shouldn't the 2020 results not mar anything when it comes to the Pac-12's outlook for this next year? From that standpoint, I would argue that I can't take much at all away from the 2020 season for the Pac-12. Like I'm not... I think this is a this is a pretty fun offseason listicle, but I'm not making snap judgments on anybody in the Pac-12 based on what we saw. Like, would I have loved to see a little bit more out of Joe Moorhead's Oregon offense? Yes. Like, was Tyler's show just okay and now he's at Texas Tech? Yes. Was I really intrigued by Colorado? Absolutely. But mm-hmm. there was a very small sample size. That team that we saw play Texas in the bowl game was kind of a semblance of itself. Like, they were missing so many starters on that side of the ball because of injuries. Even USC, like, everybody dunked on USC, especially early in the year when they were playing those close games and when they lost to Oregon in the bowl game. But, like, Keaton Slovis wasn't quite his self last year. I think that'll be addressed later. I have an article coming up on that soon. They had injuries to deal with. They played a shortened schedule. They didn't have the offseason that they normally would. They were installing a new defense. The air raid's a timing-based system. Like, USC didn't really have a runway to get going. Like, a program like UCLA missed multiple games. Utah did the same. Stanford wasn't playing in the same city it was supposed to be in for most of the time. Like, I would strongly argue the Pac-12 is in position to be much better next year than it is this year. So from that perspective, like, I'm good with the Pac-12. But when you talk about comparing them to the national teams out there, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Georgias, the Clemsons. Like, they just don't have the talent to measure up, at least right now, in my opinion, outside of maybe USC and Oregon. I don't even know if you mentioned Cal, which I'm always sort of intrigued by because when we were young, they were good. They went one in three last year. And, like, what is that record, you know? I I dug into it a little bit. Their their defense has dropped off the last three years, which is surprising because it's you know Justin Wilcox is your head coach, and and I kind of like their quarterback Chase Garbers, who who will be back. So I I don't know, like I could find a few Cinderellas there. UCLA is going to be better, but yeah, you're right. Like what's the? It only matters out there, I guess. Like if if Cal has a an eight and four season, no one nationally is going to care about that. We talk about this every year. Every, every signing day, the only thing that's going to change that is recruiting better. But you can't recruit better until you have a proof of concept to show. And chicken and egg, what's your proof of concept without recruiting? It's certainly a trite. It's a trite argument. And it's a trite point at this point. But I think the only way the perception the perception of the Pac-12 is going to change, even if the Pac-12 is actually better than we think it is. And I think a lot of years, there's a strong argument to be made that the kind of mid-tier of the Pac-12 is very good. It's just the conferences lacked that upper tier giant to make the rest of the country pay attention. Until USC or Oregon beats one of the predominant programs nationally in the college football playoff, I think the Pac-12 is going to suffer 
this kind of reputation hating essentially nationally from everybody else because there's just no proof of concept. The last time a Pac-12 team won a national championship was USC in 2005 with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush, or in 2004 with Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush. Since 04, when Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush won that championship. So it has been a very long time since the Pac-12 has been relevant. And the most recent experience of the Pac-12 in the playoff was an Alabama or Washington blowout. So until that changes nationally, I just don't think the perception of the conference is going to shift, which is too bad because I really do think programs like Cal and Utah and even like a program like Oregon State with what Jonathan Smith has done have been really underappreciated recently. And I think on that level, those teams are much better than maybe what we think of them. But I still can't see them making a sweet 16 run, I guess, if we're doing apples to apples here, like we see in the NCAA tournament, just because it's like a totally different concept, essentially. Here's a question for you. Probably my last question about all this. Do you think all five power five conferences can be good at the same time? Like, do you think if the Pac-12 rises up, that means the ACC or the Big 12 has fallen? Define good, I guess. Okay, making the playoff, if not every year, every other year, like the Big 12. Absolutely. I I really do think that is a possibility. I think what we're seeing right now is two programs and maybe four, if you expand the scope out for Ohio State and Georgia that take up so much of the gravitational kind of pull in recruiting, which is Alabama and Clemson uh, winning in two pretty different ways that it's made everybody else look bad. And Chris, I would, I would, you know, Georgia's absolutely crushing it on the recruiting trail. And so is Ohio State. I, f- I feel like it's it's no longer a two-team discussion anymore. I feel like it's at least four, and then you could probably throw in LSU. I think that's true to an extent. And, like, I certainly agree there are five or maybe six teams capable of winning a national championship right now based on recruiting results. And I agree, Ohio State, Georgia, maybe Oklahoma is in that mix. LSU is definitely in that mix. Like, they're all there. But if you look at the history of college football, we see many runs uh, by teams. Nebraska had a day in the 70s and then kind of in the 90s as well. Like Florida State was really relevant in the late 90s with Bobby Bowden. Tennessee popped up there. But like, and Notre Dame certainly has its impact on college football throughout the years. But the run we're seeing from Alabama specifically and Clemson the last essentially six to seven years is unique because those programs have emerged as not only like perennial contenders, like somebody that once every three to four years is capable of winning a national championship, they are contenders every single season in the mix every single season. And it's a stretch of dominance that I don't think there's much comparison for nationally. And I think that has harmed the ability of programs kind of outside the periphery to kind of enter that mix because the more those two programs win the more talent is concentrated at those two places and a couple others and i just think it's made it really difficult for a conference like the pac-12 to break through when they didn't have a team at the forefront of one of those runs no i agree with you i think maybe the pac-12's best hope is keaton slovis becoming an absolute superstar oregon ty thompson you know unleash the true freshman and maybe he beats Ohio State or something, right? Like, it's got to be a transcendent player to lift one team and then reestablish that team, just like it was. Like, Alabama was lifted by a transcendent coach, but Clemson was lifted by quarterbacks, right? It's going to take... Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Taj Boyd. Taj Boyd got it all started, and then Deshaun Watson took it to another level. But it's going to take... I would argue Georgia's still waiting on that transcendent quarterback to come around. And Ohio State just had had theirs, and, you know, it did not result in a national title. But it's... uh, I think it's going to take someone like out on the West Coast. I would point this out about kind of the recent history with this. I think our entire perception of the Pac-12 changes 
had Marcus Mariota and that Oregon team won that national championship in 2014, like the first year of the playoff. If that goes a little differently, and you can say the same thing in the Big 12 with Oklahoma versus Georgia, I believe in 2017. Oklahoma wins that game and goes on to play Alabama. The perception of the Big 12 is different. But those two games didn't go their way. And what we've seen is Alabama and Clemson really roll everybody else. And it's it's hurt kind of the perception, especially the Pac-12 nationally. And the only way to change that narrative is to win. And it's, as you said, kind of a chicken and the egg thing, because I'm not entirely sure if the Pac-12, at least heading into 2021, is in a position to win at that level right now. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the College Football Daily. Appreciate Chris Hemmer joining us. Appreciate our producer, Lance Glenn, for putting this thing together. If you like what we're doing, make sure you're following the College Football Daily. Get our episodes Monday through Friday, every single morning, 5 a.m., I believe, Eastern Time. It's a little early for me, but that's when Lance gets those episodes up and at him. So make sure you're you're following and, and, and listening to everything we do as we continue our quest to cover every single Power 5 and a few G5 teams this spring as well. This week on deck, we have at least a conversation about the Clemson Tigers with Anna Hickey coming later in the week, and we'll probably tackle another Power 5 team as well. So make sure you're locked in. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all Tuesday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.